great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, preseason has begun. We got to see some Stetson Bennett. First and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? Good. Did they say at any point Stenson wasn't going to start? I'm not sure. I think it was probably just an understanding of the playbook and probably wanting to get off to a good start, get the play calls in, and get some continuity within the first unit of the offense before Stenson got in. But also I was curious because NFL Network purposefully televised the Rams game uh, so that Stetson Bennett could face off with um, the quarterback of TCU. Right, so I don't know if that transition from the Eagles game into the Rams game on NFL Network had anything to do with Stetson Bennett playing late. I don't know if there was any relation there, but thought it was really interesting that Stetson didn't start, and you saw um, Brett Rippin to to begin the game. Yeah, that was that was really weird. I remember uh, you know watching the game with some people, and they're like, "That's not Stetson Bennett." I was like, "Yes, it is." And then I was like, "Oh wow, no, it's not." Like, who the heck is this guy? And then. You know, I was like, okay, right. So this has a lot to do with all of the sense and Bennett talk and not understanding the playbook and what have you. But yeah, it was, you know, it was preseason. It was exactly what I expected. They got crushed by the Chargers. So <laughs> yeah, there's no, uh, no result that, that necessarily matters in terms of score with preseason. But anything that's, that's unnecessarily lopsided when it comes to 270 rushing yards allowed, when it comes to an 81-yard punt return allowed, when it comes to 34 points allowed, those are all things that there's obviously plenty of mistakes that lie within that final score that you can correct in some major context. And I think, too, like penalties, nine for 109 yards. There were so many things within this young unit that I felt like were, were very, very correctable, and that's the same thing that Sean McVay alluded to when the game wrapped up. So what we wanted to do within this episode is just provide a quick hitter post-game recap of the preseason, game one against the Chargers. Nick, it was technically a Rams home game because I heard multiple who's house chants. And I'm still sitting in SoFi, apparently. So what we're going to do is just go through some of the top three things that we've seen so far in the preseason and some of the storylines that have continued from training camp into the preseason, right? particularly some of the position battles, and then how we're continuously observing the defensive line and the boys up front, right? Because it's a lot of the conversation can you could have can be built around the offensive line and the defensive line, but it seemed like the defensive line was the point of emphasis for all Rams fans within this very first preseason game. It seemed like immediately uh, Rams fans were looking to see what kind of free agent edge rushers were available or potentially an interior defensive lineman just because they're so young and inexperienced at that position. So that was kind of the starting point, and I felt like was the, the biggest discussion point amongst Rams fans uh, coming out of the preseason game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just get it started with the defense, sure. Because it does seem like that was the, that was the ticket where everybody was just like, Oh, we'll go back. We'll go back to Stetson. Don't worry. Yeah. I mean that, that, yeah, they look, they look bad. Uh, They looked young. I mean, particularly with all the penalties 
and it just looked like they couldn't really stop anything. And they, they'd be in like a third and long situation, and then they load the box, and then all of a sudden there's a wide open receiver up in midfield. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it is preseason. Everybody wants to say that, like, I think there are teams that take it more serious than others. I mean, look at the Ravens. They're who have perfect four, example. Up in preseason yeah. right now in the last, like, four years um, because they want to set, like, a winning mentality. I don't think it, it – it has never mattered under Sean McVay. So, you know, you can rest easy watching this game and, you know, making sure that the score isn't really important. But, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff of concern, I should say. I, I thought so. I mean, it's obviously it's the first preseason game, so no irrationalities to be had on the podcast. But at the same time, like, you talk about flexibility in terms of adding a potential veteran piece. Why would you not kick the can with somebody like Robert Quinn? Somebody that's that's obviously been a, a St. Louis Ram in the past has a relationship with Les Need, although he said he does not like to be in the Los Angeles area. Could just be a one-year rental, even four or five games into the season. I mean, when McVeigh was asked about it directly, he noted the cap constraints, but I, I feel like the effort just to contain the run and then appropriately set the edge was just non-existent. You talk about the run game, like this is not the most exciting thing to talk about to jump off within the preseason, but I felt like the players that flashed as pass rushers, there were a couple, right? That Keir Thomas and Daniel Hardy made a couple of plays, but the interior players didn't really flash that much as run stoppers. 270 yards allowed on the ground is completely unacceptable on any level of football. Like, and you look at the interior, Bobby Brown played the fewest amount of snaps amongst all the defensive linemen, which is probably a good sign for him. Um, Brown was at 16% of the snaps. And then there's Marquise Copeland, Jonah Williams, Dejuan Johnson, roughly 22 to 25%. Kobe Turner was flagged for a holding is at 28%. TJ Carter at 33%. Ernest Brown at 34%. And then Laurel Merchantson at 41%. Those last four names are the four names that clearly the Rams need a larger pool of evaluation. They need a larger sample size of, of, to be able to study across those guys. Um, so we're just hopeful that maybe one of them uh, is able to contribute. Ernest Brown's been around for three years, Nick. We talked at this point. You know, players that have been within the system for a while that aren't necessarily earning positions outright is a little bit concerning, and that could be a player that you monitor over the next, what, month or so when, when cuts kind of come through. Um, but, yeah, when you, you have an eye on guys like Kobe Turner who's flagged for a holding. Like, TJ, like, it's just nothing was exciting about the way that they were able to push the way that they were getting off the line of scrimmage and the way that they were able to contain the run, especially in, in, you know, unfavorable positions for the offense in a third and long situation, you shouldn't be able to extend drive in that situation on any level of football. Those are just the basics. So, yeah. And it is very much like a show and tell, like you're breaking down positions by percentage and like how much time these people play, especially yeah, when yeah. like getting to the edge and you'll see, you know, how much these these guys played and who kind of looked good and who really didn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, think about it in the sense of one of these guys, Kobe Turner, Carter, Jones, like they're going to have to step up, but they're going to be able to have Aaron Donald there yeah. with them. Yeah. So they're going to have to be able to step up on a level that isn't as great as they would need, you know, without him there. Yeah, exactly. But still, it's – it's you're looking for that guy that could be the next one. And you're you're hoping it is somebody like Kobe Turner, who's like kind of been around for a little bit, but you know, maybe it's not. And maybe and that's why they kind of, you know, do the do these kind of things. Yeah, I mean Kobe Turner, he's only been here for what since he's been drafted, but like 
No, you're right. Oh, like, right, Keir, sorry, right. Sorry, no, no, but like Keir Thomas, no, no, it's your, your point still stands. Like win your assignment. Like that's all they have to do. Some of these guys is step up one-on-one -on -one assignment and win their job. And Aaron Donald will take care of the rest. And I think that's, that's the mindset that a lot of these players have to have. Like Michael Hoyt on the edge. You talk about the edge rushers, Nick, like Michael Hoyt, he played 20% of the snaps, which is the fewest in the group as expected. And then you saw a rookie, Nick Hampton, played 34% of the snaps, Byron Young, 36% of the snaps. Like those groupings of Hardy and Thomas seemed a little bit more intriguing than potential starters, Michael Hoyt and Nick Hampton and Byron Young, right? That rotation of Byron Young and Nick Hampton seemed interesting with Michael Hoyt um, coming around. I think it was the weak side. So that to me is, is a really interesting development is how are you going to be able to rotate those players? And then do you need veteran leadership, right? Because Daniel Hardy playing 39% of the snaps and then playing 70% on, on special teams, uh, which was the most of any defender is, I don't know if that's a sustainable uh, position as a, a um, rotational edge rusher, but I mean, it's definitely something to be concerned about. And then there's Zach Von Walkenberg who played 30% of the snaps. Like that just doesn't seem like a group that is going to move the needle. It feels like a group that is led by Keir Thomas, who seems like fundamentally and technically he does all the right things, but he's not a, a groundbreaking edge rusher. He's just, he just does his job fine. And it's, he's not an exciting player and that there's nothing wrong with that, but you need a couple of bonafide, you know, top whatever, 20, 30 players in the league as an edge rusher to be able to take that next leap. And that might not come until 2024. And that's totally understandable. That's that's exactly what I was about to say. I was going to yeah. say, I don't think they want to spend money right now on somebody to bring in for a one-year deal if the one-year plan isn't, is like, you know, playoff hopeful. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And when, when guys like Ernest Jones you know, are, are the mic caller. And, you know, you have guys like Trey Tomlinson stepping up. And, you know, a lot of these defenders who we're going to have our eyes on consistently, some of the younger kids, the Kobe Durants, the Darion Kendricks of the world, the defensive backs, some of the sub packages they bring, whether it's nickel and dime, who the, who the dime backer is going to be in those situations is going to be really interesting. Is it going to be um, Quentin Williams, right? Or not Quentin Williams, rather Quentin Lake. Is it going to be somebody like Jordan Jones? Is it going to be somebody like Tanner Ingle? who I felt like was a, a standout player. So that to me is interesting. And then you, you go over to the quarterback position, right? Because quarterback, like, and the final five who we're going to get up front is the biggest point of discussion. I mean, if Matthew Stafford isn't appropriately protected this season, are you are you going to be confident in what you saw from Brett Rippon and Stenson Bennett as legitimate backups over John Wolford and Bryce Perkins? I just, it's not something I want to see. So it's all, it's all about up front and winning up front. I just didn't like, Tanner Ingle was kind of showing us, you know, throughout the entire time, you know, you're kind of hoping, like you said, you're looking more for like Quentin Lake or the rust yeast, Jason Taylor. I mean, but so be it. That's what they did. They thought, you know, he was going to, he, he was the best one out there, or maybe they just wanted to see the most from him. So we got the yeah. most snaps and played the, you know, played him like the most of the time. But yeah, I know. I, I don't know. Like it's scary that, we drafted Stenson Bennett so high and we used that draft pick to get him and he could have potentially gone undrafted. And then you start out your first preseason game and it's like, all right, here we go. Like, let's see what the, what this guy's got. He's like, should be more than capable. And, and he's not even starting like the beginning of it. So, I mean, yeah, really I preseason like is like can, can boil down to a quarter at the end of the day, yeah. it can be a quarter and then it can be filled with people that hopefully don't even touch the ball. 
and Fenton Bennett got in like super late. So I don't really even know if he's going to be. Well, able it was to yeah. I think Brett Ripon played the what the first two or three series, and then it was Stetson Bennett for the majority of the game. But it was I think Brett Ripon played fourteen percent of the snaps, and Stetson Bennett played the the rest of the what eighty six, eighty four percent of the snaps. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's some concern. Like I feel like that dig route that he threw to Tyler Johnson to the numbers really showed off his arm talent. I feel like that there's a legitimate upgrade in terms of arm talent over John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. So I was encouraged by that. And then his ability just to command the huddle after he made a couple of mistakes, right? Cause you can get a little erratic. You can get a little frazzled and frustrated in those kind of situations when you almost throw a pick six, but I felt like his overall command and then also the play calling from Matt LaFleur, the true marriage of the pass in the run game allowed for him. He was on, you know, he was rolling out. He was on the boot a little bit, getting him out of the pocket were all things that helped benefit him. You have guys like Tyler Johnson who've been playing in the league for a little bit. I think the one thing that didn't benefit him was the fact that he had two lower tier tight ends starting, right? And Christian Sims and McDonald and McDonald. I feel like he had that, that, that catch. It was almost exactly where I am in the podcast in the back corner of the right end zone um, that he just wasn't able to get any leverage because he was getting pulled down. And that to me was a perfect ball. So yeah, it was a little erratic and scary from Stetson in the beginning. I'm thinking to myself, can we just have John Wolford all over again? But then he kind of started to settle in and understand the game and everything kind of came back to him. Yeah. 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 I, I, McVay talked about it in his uh, post-game presser um, after after the game. <laughs> and he was talking about the mistakes that Bennett, you know, missed, like the dropped interceptions and how it could yeah. have been a lot worse. But the fact that he was able to kind of you know, step back up after those and not let it really affect them is is what they were really looking for most. So, and yeah, you know, first NFL snap, barely because it's preseason, but yeah, it was, there wasn't a lot of, to really hang your hat on offensively or defensively and be like, okay, well, this looks really great or this looks no, you're right. Good. And, yeah. you know, that that is kind of like, should we talk about Logan Bruss? <laughs> we could talk about Logan Bruss. I wanted to talk about Alaric Jackson first, just because when he wasn't in the game, he seemed like he is the kind of guy that's like the most engaged player on the sidelines, right? He's, you know, you kind of have to have that Aaron Donald mentality where everybody kind of can come to you with any kind of question that they have and you're going to be able to answer. You're the blindside protector of the quarterback. You need to be able to be engaged on the sideline and just seeing him work on his techniques and get off the ball with other players. He only played 16% of the snaps and then he was working off to the side. But that's the kind of guy who I want protecting my quarterback's blindside. Joe Nopum not dressed, didn't play, didn't expect him to. And then Warren McClendon, I thought, did a really nice job there as Alaric Jackson's replacement on the left side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the left side's okay. You know, you st- Steve Avila, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, he looks like he's one of the bigger guards they've had. And I heard Andrew Whitworth go back to the 2017, 2018 years when he was talking as a broadcaster, just talking about guys like Jamon Brown and Rob Havenstein and uh, Roger Saffold and Sully, right? The offensive line makeup that was larger than anything they've had over the past couple of years. To me, that is encouraging. Logan Bruss is going to be a smaller tackle though on the right-hand side. So yeah, Nick, there is concern about Logan Bruss. Yeah. There's plenty. Yeah. I mean, maybe we don't focus on Logan Bruss. Instead, <laughs> we focus on kids like Zach Thomas, who played 84% of the snap, or Warren McClendon, 84%. Um, Mike uh, McAllister, a.k.a. the Cal Ripken of Ironman of the preseason, playing 100% of the snaps. So, yeah, I, yeah Logan Bruss is it's just not even worth bringing up right now. No. I mean, maybe <laughs> no. on a Rams podcast it is worth bringing up, but 
my spirits are just really are really shot right now. Yeah, and and you know Jordan reported today that the Rams were bringing in Mike Munchak as a consultant, and he was an offensive line coach for the Titans dating back to when the Rams were still the greatest show on turf. So he was the offensive line coach against the Rams back wow. in 1999. Um, and then I think coach was still coaching when the Rams played in, in another Super Bowl against the Patriots and continued his career with the Steelers. And I believe it was the Broncos they ended with his career with in 2021. Uh, but now he's there as a consultant. And it was actually somebody, Nick, that we talked about as a potential offensive line coach for the Rams before they brought in Ryan Wendell. And to me, I, you know, if that's going to be the kind of direction that you go, you're going to bring in a consultant just to be able to help finalize some of those bigger decisions up front. Maybe you need another voice in the building that's going to tell you, hey, Logan Brush shouldn't be a right tackle. Then, you know, that's maybe that's what you need, right? Because Ryan Wendell is the kind of coach that has a similar upbringing to a guy like uh, Mike Munchek in terms of, you know, player confirmed or, or player converted coach. And they kind of got that that process started pretty quickly after they retired from the NFL. So there's similarities. And I think that that offensive line unit has to be better. So, yeah. And I think, yeah, especially for an aging Stafford, like if, if you want Stafford to be a part of this 2024 season, like the, the year after this one, where apparently they're going to go back all in and whatnot, you need to protect him this year. And with right tackle Logan Bruss, and you, you're not going to feel confident. I, I feel like they probably are having, those conversations right now where it's like, you know, what are we going to do with this glaring hole? Well, to me right now, it's if Rob Havenstein goes down, Warren McClendon is playing right tackle for me. Like, mm. or you, you're sliding AJ Curie, right. Or Tremon Ingram, you know, players that you feel like have been in within the system for a while, understand their value and can actually have an impact on offense. So we'll see. The offensive line is always, always a great talking point, but the way that they're going to protect whether it's Matthew Stafford, Stetson Bennett, or, or Brett Rippon, um, is going to be a massive point of emphasis, considering how it went last year. Flipping Rippon. Um, <laughs> special teams. Special teams. So everybody wants to be like, you know, preseason's not important, blah, blah, blah. Special teams, the unit that you're seeing during the preseason, during the actual NFL season, are going to be very similar. Um, hmm. Because these guys, you know, like uh, particularly 100% the kicker, like the kicker is not, unless you're Justin Tucker, you're, you're, you're not going to miss like preseason snaps. Um, and I hate it. And Justin everything. Tucker, by the way, in the preseason hit a 60 yard field goal. Did he? So he's not even missing snaps. <laughs> there you ridiculous. go. Yeah, 100%. I mean, but that's also the Ravens where he's just a madman back there. Um, but yeah, like I just really, really, really didn't like anything that I saw on special teams the entire time. What about uh, what about punter Ethan Evans? Despite his attempt to try and make a tackle on the punt return, it looks like he's got a big leg. Yeah, but I felt like he almost got like decked a couple times. Yeah, yeah and but like I mean, that's, it doesn't matter how big the leg is if you're going to get decked. <laughs> You know what? The coverage and the blocking is different from the three rookie starters up front, right? Like, because the, the long snapper and the punter and the kicker are all rookies, but there's some other players up front, you know, on that punt team, on that coverage team that should be able to be a little bit more impactful. And I thought that that's where I was really concerned was like, how frustrating was it to witness an 81 yard punt return for Chase Blackburn, who's a rookie on, in his own right as a coach uh, for the Rams? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I to me, like that. That obviously hurt the most, but then uh, Tanner Brown 
who's you know missing yeah. kicks inside the 50. And then you have the special team coach said that he's not worried at all about him, um, which isn't what I want to hear. Like I, like I am worried. like, you got, you have to be making that kick. Yeah. I said, he's not worried at all about Tanner Brown as their kicker, considering it was the first time that he missed inside 50 yards all camp. Breaking news. It's not camp anymore. I know you have some joint practices coming up, but the preseason has begun. So that stat no longer counts chase. Um, and then the other piece of it is like on the return team, I want to see some gunners. Like I remember Benny Sko when he was a rookie was one of the first people down the field to be able to make a tackle on special teams. That's how you earn a job. Like Kobe Durant was the same kind of player last year as a rookie in the preseason. It's how you earn a nickname. Like that should be what these kind of these kids are, are fighting for. Like that should be the motivation from the special teams coach. It's like this is how you make a name for yourself in the league. This is how you earn a second and third contract. You need to be a Jason Taylor was one of the players, Daniel Hardy, Jason Taylor, Alex Ward, and there was a fourth player that was down there in an attempt to make that tackle. And Daniel Ward or uh, Daniel Hardy Olaid, Alex Ward was caught up in a block, but Jason Taylor is a rookie safety. Like go in there and blow the whole effing play up. Like, no question. That's what I yeah, want to see like, in special teams. The kid on the Chargers who returned the punt, he, he got he just got a job. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, aspired to be that. That's another thing. Like, McVay is referring to Xavier Jones as X, right? The punt returner. He's bobbling everything. He doesn't know when to call a fair catch when he's inside the 10-yard line. The scariest like, thing ever. Like, he's know, wearing Brandon Powell's get, other number. Like, you can't wear Brandon Powell's number than not field a punt correctly. Come on. And then, to I mean, it's just giving me – 2017 Falcons playoff flashbacks where it's like the Rams are like in that game the entire time and Farrow Cooper. Yeah. Just like fumbles like three punts and the season's over. It's ridiculous stretch of, of really Rams receivers of five 2013 to 2017 might be the most interesting stretch of Rams receivers of all time. You go Tavon Austin, Stedman Bailey and Kenny Britt over to guys like that. Farrow Cooper and Sammy Watkins. Like it just got weird for a couple of years and then it got better. And then we found yeah. Robert Woods and Cooper cup. And then we found the promised land. Um, and then some, some other notes we talked about Tanner Ingle. Um, I didn't, like you said, Nick, I think you made a really good point. You don't want to see Tanner Ingle showing up guys like Clinton Lake and Russ East and Jason Taylor in only 19% of the snaps. Um, and he makes the most of his snaps, but you also want to see guys like Zach Evans and, and Puka Naku and Tyler Johnson and Trey Tomlinson and Keir Thomas, they all had moments that stood out to me. Those are the five most impactful players, in my opinion, on both sides of the ball. Maybe Trey Tomlinson, a little bit of a of a, of a quick honorable mention for me. And there's probably some other defensive players, whether you go Jordan Jones, who filled in at the star, who I thought was pretty impressive. And they're going to rotate in some other players in the upcoming weeks in that position to get some looks because they don't have a lot of depth there outside of potentially Kobe Durant. Um, and also the Rams waived Richard LeCount. So right now they are they're coming down to 85 players. They have to be down to 85 players tomorrow. Right now they're at 88. So you're going to expect to see three more cuts between when this podcast is produced to tomorrow and the next couple of days. Yeah. So. Um, Puka Nakua, personal MVP uh, for me. Yeah. Definitely had uh, his moment. So, yeah, I, you know, overall – don't let it get you down, I think, is is what I am trying to say. Yeah, I think that. you're looking for three or four contributors that you can ride with in the regular season right now, and that's really it. Yeah.
And you, it's not fun to go into a season with like tempered expectations, and it, and we haven't had to do it in in quite some time. We had to kind of feel our way through it last year. Um, because it was like happening in real time and we started the season not with tempered expectations, but we also had the Super Bowl win, so it kind of felt okay. And now the season's coming back. You're looking at teams who are, you know, like out there making like real strides in the preseason and like, like the Seahawks beating, um, or no, who beat the Broncos? Somebody came back and like, I think it might've been the Seahawks, came back and like beat the Broncos and like the Broncos lost another like, horrible fashion and it's, like, there, yeah, it's different if you're playing your starters right no yeah. no no 100 percent. but sean payton's one of those hard 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 coaches who you know wants to win every single game and he's like yeah we absolutely were you know crushed by that loss um <laughs> but just we just gotta take a deep breath relax temper expectations and not freak out when something like this happens because it's probably we're probably gonna lose to the Raiders I would I would think it doesn't but it, it just doesn't no it doesn't it doesn't matter but you want to if, if you're gonna lose you want to see things that look good and it was very hard to like see the loss and then just see a lot of glaring issues and then have to dissect them yeah yeah well, it's, it's easier to dissect the game when your team wins and your your team plays well versus when your team makes a ton of mistakes you have to kind of pinpoint and uh Point out some of the bad stuff. It's not fun, but regardless, make sure that you guys also ram it. Like and subscribe. We got more stuff coming at you guys all through the preseason, all through the regular season. Comments, likes, always, always appreciated. And we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Peace. Thanks for listening. Go Rams. <laughs>